Sirah, a biography of Muhammad, the last messenger of Allah, written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich. Chapter 38 The Prophet in Medina Social and Religious Setting in Medina The pre-Islamic name of Medina was Yathrib. It was mentioned in the Noble Qur'an at the chapter 33rd, verse 13. After the Prophet's migration, the city was named Medina to Rasulillah, the city of Allah's Messenger, or simply Medina, and soon became the capital of the nascent Islamic State. Arabs made the majority in Medina. The Jews, who also lived there, were divided into three major tribes, Banu Nadir, Banu Qurayza, and Banu Kainuka, each further divided into clans. The Arabs were divided into two big tribes known as the Evs and the Hazraj. Wars often flared between the two tribes and they would last for years. One of the reasons for it was the fact that Medina did not have a lord or supreme religious leadership, as did Mecca. Quite to the contrary, each tribe in Medina represented an autonomous entity that did not recognize any other rule but its own. The Jews would often fan the flames of conflict between the Evs and the Hazraj. On the eve of the Prophet's migration, a peace treaty between the Evs and Hazraj was struck in Medina after a heavy conflict known as the Buath War. The man who succeeded in reconciling these two tribes was Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. Although he came from the Hazraj tribe, he was also appreciated by the Evs tribesmen. Some people were of the opinion that he should be appointed the chief of the two tribes, and he hoped for it, and expected he would be a king one day. However, the arrival of the Muslims and the Prophet in Medina foiled his inauguration. For that reason, Ibn Salul became a fierce enemy of Islam and Muslims. As Islam spread rapidly in the region of Medina, he later formally converted to Islam following the Battle of Badr, but remained a non-believer in his heart. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is infamous as the leader of the Munafiqun, hypocrites who pretended to believe in Islam, and a person who did a great harm to Islam and Muslims. The Jews who had moved to that region, called El Hijaz, way back in the time of the Nestorian, Assyrian and Roman tyranny assumed the Arab customs in dressing and culture and even spoke the Arabic language and gave their children Arabic names. However, they preserved their ethnic unity and never assimilated into the Arab nation. They were proud of their Israeli ancestry and they referred to the Arabs with a rather contemptuous term Ummiyun meaning ignorant or backward. Some of them believed they could cheat on the Arabs and take their property in any way possible, and they used to say, as the Qur'an reads, We are under no obligation towards the Gentiles. The Chapter 3rd
verse 75. Owing to their sacred scrolls and certain prophecies, the Jews believed that the time of the last messenger of God had approached. They threatened the Arabs in Medina that the messenger would come soon and lead them, the Jews, into a battle to conquer the world. They believed that the messenger would be a Jew, as were so many others preceding him. When Muhammad, peace be upon him, stepped on the skin and announced to the world that he was the messenger foretold in the previous revelations, the Medinian Jews could not accept the fact that he was of Arabic ancestry, despite the ample evidence of the truthfulness of his prophethood. They decided to fight him and his religion and followers. Only a few individuals among them, such as the learned Abdullah ibn Salam, embraced Islam. Historians state that the Medinian Jews were skilled merchants. They actually traded in everything, their own religion included. They dealt in fortune-telling, witchcraft, talismans, and the like. They excelled in earning livelihood. They imported cereals, wine, and clothes, and exported dates. They controlled other profitable business too. They dealt in usury, which made them very rich. They did not preach their religion to the Arab tribes, as they believed themselves to be the chosen people, supposed to rule the world, whilst other peoples were made to serve them. For that reason, they often sowed dissension, schemed around a promoted debauchery. They used to ignite fratricidal hatred and wars among the Arab tribes. Medina did not have a sizable Christian population. Historians make mention of a man whose name was Abu Amr al-Ausi, nicknamed the monk, for his ascetic way of life who had converted to Christianity. He was a cousin of Abdullah ibn Ubay, and he was respected by the Evs tribe. That man did not embrace Islam, and he actually showed hostility towards it. He took part in the Battle of Uhud on the pagans' side. He used to threaten the Muslims that he would appeal to Byzantium to attack Medina. Interestingly enough, his son Hanzala converted to Islam, as did the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, and got killed as a martyr at the Battle of Uhud. Hanzala was an enthusiastic champion of Islam. He went into jihad, battle in the cause of Allah. On his wedding night, straight out of his conjugal bed, without having time enough to bath, he was killed in the battle of Uhud, and the prophet said he saw angels bathing him. Hence, he was posthumously called the one bathed by angels, Ghasilul Malaika. According to Siras, there was another Christian in Medina, but he embraced Islam as soon as he saw the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. That was Salman al-Farisi originally from Persia, Arabic Faris. He had traveled far and wide in search of the truth and thus converted to Christianity. He kept company with learned monks, one of whom told him to go to the north of Iraq, 
which marked the beginning of Selman's attachments to elderly Christian sages. When the last of them was on his deathbed, he told Selman that a time approached when a new messenger of God would appear. He will be sent with the religion of Abraham and will come forth in Arabia, where he will emigrate from his home to a place between two lava tracts, a country of palms. His signs are manifest. He will eat of a gift, but not if it be given as alms. And between his shoulders is the seal of prophecy. Selman understood that Yathrib was implied, and he decided to go there, because the foretold messenger would spend a considerable part of his life there. But problems occurred when the merchants from the Kalb tribe, whom he had paid to take him with them to Arabia, sold him as a slave to one Jew, who then sold him to his cousin from the Banu Kureza tribe. That is how Salman al-Farisi came to Medina. Afterward, when he heard that the Prophet Muhammad moved there, he came to check what his dying master had told him on the deathbed. He was soon convinced that it was true. The Prophet, peace be upon him, did not take alms, but did take gifts, and the seal of prophecy was between his shoulders. Salman al-Farisi, although a slave at the time, embraced Islam. He was later manumitted, and he became very close to the Prophet. The most important events in Medina following the Prophet's migration. As noted earlier, Islam won a certain number of supporters in Medina prior to the Prophet's migration, for which the credit goes mostly to Musab ibn Umair, the companion whom the Prophet had sent from Mecca to Medina to preach Islam. He lived in the house of Asad ibn Zurara, and the two of them preached Islam together. Following the conversion of Usaid ibn Hudayr and Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, Two chiefs from the Evs tribe, Islam got many followers among the citizens of Medina. Particularly important was Sa'd's conversion, since the majority of the Evs tribe embraced Islam owing to his status and reputation. For this and the other merits, Sa'd attained such a high standing in Islam that the Prophet said, after his death, following the battle of the trench, that Allah's throne had shaken at Sa'd's death. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, emigrated to Medina, there was hardly a household in it without a Muslim convert. The citizens of Medina welcomed the Prophet with great delight, and many tried to halt his camel and invite him to stay with them. However, the Prophet told them to let the camel go her way as she was, commanded where to stop. At the place where he stopped, the Prophet alighted and inquired whose land it was. When he was told that it belonged to two orphaned boys, he asked that they be brought before him. He made a deal with their guardian about the price of the property at which the construction of a mosque commenced soon afterward. 
That mosque, known as the Prophet's Mosque, Al-Masjid al-Nabawi, enjoys a special status in Islam, and it has undergone many enlargements and renovations through history. The Prophet stayed in the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. His name was Khalid ibn Zayd al-Khazraji al-Ansari, close to the mosque construction site. The Prophet stayed in al-Ansari's house until the mosque was built and adjacent to in the dwellings for him and his family. The construction of the mosque in Medina marks the beginning of Medinian period in the Prophet's life, which may be divided into three stages. The first, the stage of intrigues and tensions. In this period, the eternal foes, idol worshippers and Jews entered into alliances with external foes, idol worshippers in Mecca and others, and worked hard to eradicate the Muslims. This period lasted until the Treaty of Hudaybiyah in the month of Zulqadeh, the 6th Enoah Hijrai, A.H. The second the stage of truce with idol worshippers. This period lasted until the liberation of Mecca in the month of Ramadan, the 8th Enoah Hijrai, A.H. In this period, the Prophet peace be upon him also sent letters to the world rulers, inviting them to enter the fold of Islam. The third, the stage of mass conversion to Islam. This period lasted from the liberation of Mecca to the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him, in the month of Rabiul Awal, the 11th Enoah Hijrai, A.H. This is a period when numerous delegations arrived in Medina to declare loyalty to the Muslim state. Following his arrival in Medina, the Prophet undertook a number of activities in order to organize the Muslim community efficiently under the new circumstances. Particularly important were the construction of the mosque as a religious, cultural, and political center, the introduction of Adhan, the call to prayer announcing the beginning of the canonical prayer times, the fraternization of the emigrants and the answer, local Muslims of Medina, and the announcement of the Charter of Medina, which is the first written constitution in the history of mankind. We will get back to the fraternization and the charter later, after we touch briefly on some other important events on that period. In the year the first Enohidrai, the Prophet began his marital life with Aisha. The marriage between the Prophet and Aisha had been contracted back in Mecca in the month of Shawwal of the eleventh year of the prophethood following Allah's order. As Aisha was very young at that time, she was only six, she naturally stayed in her father's home. Only when she became a major under Sharia did she move to the Prophet's house. In Islam a woman becomes a major with the first menstruation. The Prophet loved Aisha very much, and according to many, she was his second most favorite wife after Hadija. Whole captures in famous Hadith collections are dedicated to her virtues. The construction of the mosque is an exceptionally important event.
The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, personally participated in it. As a matter of fact, that was the third mosque that he built in Medina and its environs. The first was the one he built when he arrived in the place called Cuba, in the vicinity of Medina. And the second was the one built in the valley of Wadi Ranona, where he led the Friday noon prayer before entering the city. So the construction of the mosque was the Prophet's first activity at the very beginning of the Medinian period. The mosque was not only a place of worship, but also a school in which Islam was taught, a venue of important meetings and councils, a venue where marriages were solemnized, many important decisions made, and rulings in disputes passed. In a nutshell, the mosque was the centermost institution in the life of the first Muslim community. This should be a lesson to the present-day Muslims in whose lives mosque no longer enjoys the status it should. The role Islam intended to mosque should be restored. The introduction of prayer called further strengthened the role of the mosque as it was made from the mosque compound and invited people to come for a communal prayer. This period was also marked by one sad event, the famous companion and a prolific missionary, Esad ibn Zurare, radiallahu anhu, passed away. That was a great loss for the Muslims, as he was a very capable man and an excellent missionary.